We're in a series called One People, and it's sort of the idea of God using His church and taking groups of people clear back from the Old Testament into the New Testament, into Jesus' death and resurrection, up to now, how we do life. And I've simply called this uh, message today um, the kingdom, because I want to talk about the kingdom of God, the big picture of God, but then Monday as well as Sunday. Monday as well as Sunday. What is your life like Monday through Friday? How many of you work? How many of you don't have a job, but you still work? (laughs) How many of you are retired, but you work? Okay, you're chasing grandkids or something, right? I I, I love that. Well, I, I like the idea of saying, you know, we celebrate Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord, Saturday night, Sunday morning, we have... These services here at Timberline. And and for some people, there's this idea that says going to church puts a little star by my name and makes God happy. And I get that all over with. Now, I know that's none of you, but those other services, I'm telling you, they struggle with that a little bit. (laughs) I think what I want you to hear me say today is that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than going to church. It's so much bigger than than this little time that we have together. Yes, we, we come. Matter of fact, the Bible actually says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So you're doing a Bible thing by being here today. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're awesome. Okay? They're doing, you're, you're being Bible by, by gathering. People who say you don't need church, they don't understand what this book is, is teaching. Because we need to assemble for worship, teaching, prayer, all those things. But that isn't, The main thing. The main thing is Monday through Friday, how we live our lives, making a difference on this earth, bringing kingdom of God principles and values to everyday life for all people, whether they walk with God or not. Now, let me tell you something. This is a huge challenge for us. There's an old rock and roll song by Loverboy called Working for the Weekend. How many of you have heard that song? And, and the idea of the song is that you work all week long just so you can party hard on the weekend. And, and by the way, I would not endorse that philosophy of life at all. But it did make me think of the fact that maybe we should have a song that declares something to the fact that we are the people who are living for the weekday. We are the people who, yes, we celebrate on this Saturday night, Sunday, uh, our God, but, but our passion, our work, our energy, our effort is given toward bringing the kingdom of God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's what we really live for. How is my life making a difference in this community? The community I live, the community you live. How are you making a difference? These are big things. Let me just read a couple things. Matthew 6.33 is the context in which this whole sermon is based out of. And it says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He, meaning God, will give you everything you need. How many of you know the King James Version? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and what? All these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the king. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. That's enough. Um, 
I thought only hippies sang that song in a circle, like around the fire, you know. Here you are. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I love that. Let's talk about the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? There are so many misconceptions about it. Um, Leslie Nubijan said, The kingdom of God is not a theological phrase, but is now a name with a face on it. Um, e. Stanley Jones said, Jesus is the kingdom of God putting on sandals and walking around. Matthew uses the term 32 times in his gospel in the Bible. Mark opens his gospel with Isaiah's and John's voices announcing the one to come. And then Jesus arrives and announces this, quote, The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom was the subject of Jesus' first sermon, Mark 1.14, and was really the only thing he ever called the gospel. The kingdom of God. In Jesus' time, just to set a backdrop for this, there were sort of four main ideas, groups, and then we'll dive into the outline. But let me just give you a little tidbit of each one. These were kind of popular ideas at the time. First of all were the Sadducees. They were the ruling group of priests. They probably held the most power as it related to temple stuff. Um, they believed that you needed to maintain continual sacrificial worship in the temple. That would usher in the kingdom of God. Hey, if we assemble ourselves, if we worship God, if we keep maintaining that, the kingdom of God will come. Well, they didn't quite have it all right. The opposite end were the Essenes. The Essenes hated the temple because it had been built by King Herod the Great. So they went like 15 miles away and built their own separate deal. And they kind of revolted against the temple. And they said, no, that's not the important thing. It's not about all your, your uh, religious stuff. Then you have a group called the Pharisees. We hear quite a bit about them. Uh, they insisted that bringing the kingdom of God would involve sort of the holiness lifestyle. That if we live right, we do right, we say our prayers, um, and they lived that out loud. Believe me, they did. And there was a legalism attached to that. That is going to bring the kingdom of God. The last group we would just call zealots because they were, they were a group that basically said, we're going to overthrow everything. <laughs> We, we're, we'll create a fight and God will be so confused, they'll have to bring his kingdom to straighten it out. You know, it's just this idea of chaos wins. And so that'll bring the kingdom of God. Well, none of them had it all right. The kingdom of God. What is it really? Um, why did Jesus talk about it? Let me just walk through, I think, four or five things in your outline. Okay, if you want to jot these down, we'll, we'll break them down as we go here. Okay, kingdom stuff asks the question. Okay, I'm just calling this kingdom stuff, Monday through Friday stuff. Kingdom stuff asks the question, what does God most care about in our world? And then responds to the answer. Responds to whatever you write down there. And I would love to just, I'd like to just give you a pause here today and say, would you write down one or two things in your notes that come to mind right away, and we're not going to turn them in. You're not going to be graded. This is for you. What do you think God cares most about in our world? I wonder what you would write down there. I had my own list for a while, and I kept scratching it out and coming back, and then I would I talked to so many different people about this question. I've asked a lot of people this question in the last couple of weeks. Here, here's, here's what I'm basing it on. When Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. So if I'm going to seek the kingdom of God above everything, I need to know what it is. 
What is it that I'm seeking? What do I want? What is my dream? This is my dream. If I said the kingdom of God comes to earth, what does that mean? It looks like this. I, I had some people who said to me, I'll give you some of their ideas. And some of them were mine too, but relationships was really at pretty high on the list for quite a few people. And it was the idea that the greatest commandment was love God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength. And then what's the second part of that? Love your neighbor as yourself. That is relationship. It's relationship vertically. It's relationship horizontally. That we are relationship people. That God cares most about that. That we're in, in healthy relationship. I like that. What's another one? Um, another one was the idea of that we love others unconditionally. That popped up quite a, quite a bit, which I think is a good one. Um, another one that came up often is injustice uh, in our world. And I know that can be a political hot term. I don't mean it like that. I'm just talking about the oppressed, the, the needy, the poor. As I asked people to break that down, it came out in ways of, uh, of, of grace, forgiveness offered. Um, another one was widows and orphans. And that's because of the James passage, which we're going to read in a minute. That, that actually James makes a statement about those. So here's the question. Let's say it's some of those and there's others as well on your list. What are we doing about those things? What, what are we engaged in? Like I started doing a little assessment of Timberline and looking at all of our ministries and, and, and clicking around saying, are we a kingdom of God church? Are we a church that, that really declares not just our little world's fear that, oh, come here, but are we about equipping people to be kingdom of God people? Are we releasing you to get out of this building and go do stuff in the kingdom? And not just do stuff, but be the people of the kingdom. And I want to tell you something. My heart, my heart is a big yes for that at every level possible. Are we winning at every level? Probably not. But can we do better? Yes. Um, but you need to know that is something we're wrestling with right now as a church. Are we making a difference in bringing the kingdom of God to this earth? I care about that a lot. I want you to care about it. Number two, kingdom stuff includes, but is more than church stuff alone, right? Now, kingdom stuff includes church stuff. I, I talked about assembling ourselves, worshiping God, corporate worship. There's something powerful of things we can do together we can't do apart. I get that, and I hope you get that. You obviously do. That's why you're here. Thank you. Um, we can make a big difference by, by doing this together. But I want to read James 127. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Okay, that's a mandate. That's something we actually physically can do financially uh, and in other ways. But look at the next one. It's just as important, and it's not really a, a mandate. It's a, it's a heart thing. And refusing to let the world corrupt you. And that, that, that causes us to step back, and take, step back and take a look. The NIV says to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love the New American Standard here. It says, to keep oneself unstained by the world. Unstained. You ever had a stain on a piece of clothing or something and it just drives you crazy? I, I had a while back, I had a little stain that I didn't even see when I put my, my shirt on. See, my whole, my whole getting ready time, I'm not kidding when I tell you this, is about seven minutes. I can take a shower, get dressed. Most of the time goes to fix my hair. Okay, that's the, that's the biggest job I have. 
But I really do not have a lot of mirror time before I walk out uh, of our room. I just sometimes don't even know if I look in the mirror unless it's when I'm brushing my teeth or something. And I'll put a shirt on. And I had this stain right by my collarbone. Now, how many of you can actually look down and see your collarbone? You are weird if you can. Okay. I couldn't. And I didn't even notice it. The whole day, no one told me I had a stain. I have no friends on this earth. None. (laughs) It is the saddest thing. I come home, I walk in, I look at the mirror, and Bonnie's like, honey? (laughs) Anyway, uh, the stain has been removed, praise God. But I will tell you that I didn't know it was there, and that's what happens in the world. That's what happens when when we daily are are kind of immersed in, in the stuff that happens in our world. Now, I'm one that says, let's live out there among them. That's what Jesus did. The Timberline's all about that. So, so we can't just separate ourselves and say, don't want to be stained by the world, don't want to mix it up. No, we want to go in there, but we want to have a mindset of the kingdom of God, that the values of the kingdom resonate first in us. That we don't compromise, and that we don't get stained by the world, but rather we bring something to it of a, of a bleach. And we are able to oppose that which would stain us. Um, Man, I want to be a part of a church that's connected to to the kingdom stuff. Because the kingdom stuff is the bigger umbrella. Let me illustrate it this way. Am I sitting in this chair? Or am I sitting in this room? How many of you would say both? You guys are brilliant. See, the idea is, yes, I'm sitting in this chair. That's the small thing that's right here around me now. But there's a bigger picture than that. Do I live in Fort Collins or do I live in Colorado? Yes, yes. Or do I live in America? Yes. So there's this idea that somehow is bigger and broader than this little thing I have right in front of me. You guys, this is why this is why we should be praying right now for Libya, for Yemen, for Egypt. For places in our world, I don't, I don't understand and I don't have this big view of what should happen. And I'm not going to bring politics here to say this is what we need to do. I'm simply saying, as a kingdom person, when I watch news like this, I have to say, God, are you up to something? What, what is your heart in this? Show me how to pray. How many of you know God as it is at work in the world? And so as kingdom people, we are prayerful and considerate about Ideas and concepts that that cause us to see the world in that light. I, uh, Bonnie and I like to hike, and we had a really fun day last year where we invited our pastoral staff to to climb uh, Horsetooth Mountain, and it's a great hike. How many of you've done Horsetooth? You know, m- multiple times probably. Well, um, we had most of our staff could do it, some couldn't, but uh, those wimps. But we we we, <laughs> I don't have any bad feelings about that or anything, but. Okay. We, we, so we go up the trail, we're, we're walking, and one of the things that, that I always try to do when I hike is to not just get my head down in, in the rut of the path. Because when you hike, and especially if you start to breathe, and you start to get tired, then what happens is you end up walking and walking, and you're looking at your steps, so you'd miss the rock, and go over the log, and go over the rock, and go over the log, and go over the step, and all of a sudden, you don't see anything. Except the path right in front of you. And so I said a couple times, everyone stop and just look up. Look around. Because you're going to be through this section and you're not even going to know what it looks like because you're just on the path. And sometimes we do life like that. We just, we're just on the path. 
And we're just going. We don't even take the time to look up and say, oh, kingdom of God stuff. Maybe this isn't just my small little dilemma today. Maybe there's something bigger. God, what do you want to show me that's bigger than my world today? We need that in our lives. The third thing. Kingdom stuff invites me to live in the righteousness of Christ. Now, this is a very important point because of the verse itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, and live righteously. Now, I want to talk about that for a second. First of all, that's impossible to do without Christ. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. How many of you know that? We're not righteous without Jesus. Our righteousness comes through Christ. As a matter of fact, the word righteous, a good definition for it could be to be in right standing with God. I am righteous if I am in right standing with God. And so to know that because of who Jesus is living in my life, permeating my life, I can be righteous. I can be in right standing with God. And the idea here is that we are the people who will be seeking God and living in a way in this world that honors God. Our character, our integrity will actually shock the world. It will set us apart from the world in our behaviors and our spirit and our attitude. We are the people that will live with the passions that honor God and promote the values of the kingdom of God. Am I speaking up for someone other than myself when I see something happen? Am I someone who is giving my time to things unseen, things I do not need to have credit for? I don't even actually realize I'm doing it. It's just the kingdom in me pops out as I do life and as I go and as I be and as I talk to people. I, I like this. You know, um, when we got to the top of Horsetooth on that little climb, the view was amazing. It was very different than just a few hundred yards down the path when all you could see is the, the forest. But when you come to the top and you go, whoa, I see everything from up here. That's a kingdom of God picture that you and I need to become more accustomed to. To say, yes, what I'm doing in my life, yes, the ministry I serve in at Timberline, yes, the things that I'm doing here. But God, what are you doing in the world? How is my attitude permeating life? What, is, what are the challenges that I can help with? See, the best time for kingdom stuff to happen is when you're just doing life and you're not even trying to make kingdom stuff happen. That happens when you're walking in the righteousness of God. When you're in right standing with God, kingdom of God comes to earth. Okay? Number four, kingdom stuff invokes God's provision. Kingdom stuff, that's the last part of this verse. It literally says, and he will give you everything you need or all these things will be added to you. What things? Well, everything you need. So what does that mean? What is that saying? This is huge because it's significant in the fact that if I'm seeking first the kingdom and I'm walking in right standing with the Lord, guess what? I get his help. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like when we had tug of war in gym class in seventh grade. And there was this one kid that it didn't matter if it was the whole rest of the class. It, he would win. And it, you wanted him when you did tug of war. And it was like, we get Charlie. That's, that's the bottom line. And if you get Charlie, you win. And God just shows up and says, hey, seek the kingdom, walk in right standing, and guess what? Everything else is going to be added to you. I don't get it, but God helps us. 
God gives us favor. God grants something to us in our community, with your boss, with your neighbors, with your whoever. When you walk in right standing with God, yeah, I, I believe with all of my heart, God can give you favor. Look at Nehemiah. He goes in to the king and, he, and he's like, he finds favor with the king. We have a series coming up in a few weeks about Nehemiah. I can't wait. Because the king says, yeah, you can go and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And not only that, but uh, I'll write you a letter for some trees because you're going to need some lumber to do the building with. And Nehemiah's like, wow, this is not necessarily a godly king. But he has, Nehemiah has favor with the king. Why did Esther have favor with the king? All these things we need to be thinking about in kingdom of God stuff. Jesus said it. Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Say the next line with me. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, some people think this means... Well, during that millennial reign, the second coming of Christ, when he comes for a thousand years to the earth and they get all caught up, that's when the kingdom of God comes. I think that's partly it. But do you know that we now are the people, by doing kingdom things and living kingdom principles, we help usher in the kingdom of God upon this earth by walking in right standing with Christ. That's a huge thing. So you want to get rid of, you want to get rid of contamination and ugly stuff in the world. Me too. Let's be kingdom people. Let's walk in the kingdom. Let's walk in right standing with God. And God gives us favor. Wow. The last thing. Kingdom stuff creates more kingdom stuff. <laughs> and this is a wonderful principle. And, and I want to just explain it by reading Luke 13, uh, verse 18, because this passage really deals with what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. So let's listen to it. Luke 13, 18. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? <laughs> how can I illustrate it? Can't you just see Jesus going, I wonder how I can illustrate this. He knows. It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree. Now look at this next part. And the birds make nests in its branches. See, I understand the part where a seed is planted and it becomes a tree. I like that part. But here's what's interesting. Jesus doesn't stop with the fact that the seed, being a tree seed, grows another tree. We, we kind of biologically get that. But he goes on to say that the branches of this tree will create a new living environment for birds. That's a different species than tree. You and I have the opportunity to plant seeds that don't just begat what we have, but it begats kingdom of God stuff beyond our genre, beyond the things we just care about. Because kingdom of God stuff is birthed by the Spirit. If you're with me on that, say yes. It's important that we get that. The next one illustrates it too. The Luke 13, 20, very next verse. He also asks, what else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, let me tell you about yeast. Okay, I know all about this in bread making. I took a class in high school called Bachelor's Survival. <laughs> and we made bread. 
And our teacher, I mean the kind that, that would rise, we used the yeast, and I was pretty freaked out. I had never, my mom didn't use that. I never had been exposed to that. And, and our teacher brings in this cup of stuff, and you have to keep it a certain temperature. And I, How many of you have some yeast batch that you keep, you've had around for generations? Let's pray for these people right now. It's just amazing. And, and she brought it and she said, this was my great-grandmother's, you know, it's, it's a live strand. I'm like, I'm looking in it like, is it going to jump out? We put a little bit of that in this dough and that bread would rise. Why? Because the yeast goes throughout the entire batch of dough. It just takes a little bit of kingdom of God in us to impact the community. This is what gives me hope for the world. You say, what can I do with all the crime in the world? There's no way. Well, how can we stop human trafficking? How can we stop poverty? How? I'll tell you how. The kingdom of God principle. A little bit goes a long ways. Wow. I don't know why Jim Dismore. I don't know if Jim's here today. I don't know. How many trips has he taken to China to talk about the kingdom of God and business principles for business leaders? I don't know. He does that because he's got the kingdom in his heart. Suzanne, sorry, I've been talking about you all weekend. She's sitting over here in this service saying, I don't know why Suzanne has gotten so involved in community stuff. Every time I talk to some new community thing she's doing, and, and it's promoting this and that, and it's helping, and it's part of her world. Why do Ron and Sue Hedrick get so involved in Habitat for Humanity? Why have some of you gone out and hammered nails and been involved? in your, your, why, why did Will and Kathy Horton, Will found Christ here at church and started bringing his wife Kathy and she didn't really want to have much to do with it and, and she just came because she loved her husband. I think she was ushering before she even knew who God was, you know, and, and that was cool. And, and all of a sudden she says yes to following Jesus. They sell their house. They move to Mexico. They're missionaries in Mexico. How does that happen? It happens because the kingdom of God just needs a little bit of something planted in us. Why are you going on missions trips? Why do people do what they do? Because there's a kingdom picture. See, today we're partnering with like 16 organizations that are part of our community. They're part of our church because we've invited them to come. That Those tables out there that Pastor Darrell was talking about earlier, I want you to go by and take your time today and talk to those people and meet them because they are community partners. And we believe in what they're doing. Why would we as a church duplicate or reinvent the wheel when there's already agencies in our town that are doing a really good job with teens or elderly or whatever it is? And we as a church, because we're kingdom-minded, we go and support what they're doing. We help get volunteers to help them serve in the way that they do. And you'll go sign up because you have heart for something. That's the kingdom. I thank God for that. I thank God for you. That you see that and you care about that. I wrap up and I close with this thought of just the idea of something that God birthed in me. To For me, I think it was for me. I actually journaled it in my stuff. And I, but I, I wanted to bring it to you because this is, this is my takeaway. Um, and I, I want you to listen carefully to it. You don't need to stop doing what you are doing to do kingdom stuff. Kingdom stuff needs to be done while you are doing what you are doing. I hope that makes sense to you. Because you guys live all over northern Colorado. We can permeate. We can be yeast. We can be the people of God. And we can bring the kingdom of God to some degree to this earth 
as we walk in right standing with our Creator. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love of us in spite of us. Thank you for the empowerment of your Spirit in our lives. Thank you for the joy it is to to serve with you. God, I just thank you for brothers and sisters that care about what it means to be, if we can say it like this, naturally supernatural. (laughs) And maybe there's some who can walk with signs and wonders following them. But Lord, I think your heart is that the kingdom of God is us touching someone in poverty, pulling someone out of oppression, caring about a widow, giving to help an orphan. Lord, that's what we want to be about as a church and as individuals. So I just thank you today for a reminder that we as one people, your people, have a big mission and a serious mission. And God, I just pray that this message today, though it's personalized for each of us as your spirit anoints it, let it be bigger than just a personal moment for people in these auditoriums. Let this be about a corporate vision that we have as a church to say, we are going to be on a mission of God, the kingdom of God coming to this earth and help us to do it well. Thank you, God. Give us leaders. God, I just pray you'll grow leaders in these rooms today. Give people ideas and concepts. Refresh them with the stuff that you want to grow in their heart with ideas and concepts that are not self-serving, but our kingdom are bigger and broader than what we could even think of on our own sometimes. With heads bowed, just eyes closed for a moment, I wonder if if you would maybe respond like I have uh, this weekend. The first question I want to ask is, are you seeking the kingdom of God first? Because it's so easy to get distracted to do your own stuff first. And and then it all gets confusing. And there's nothing wrong with doing your own stuff. But Jesus, I mean, the Bible really says, seek first the kingdom of God stuff. The kingdom of God. How many of you just need an adjustment? I think I did. You just lift your hand with me and say, the kingdom of God first. Lord, help us. Maybe all of us that we all say yes. Show us how, Lord, it's not just about my little personal view, my head in the path. Lift up our heads today to see that the kingdom of God matters. We love you. We trust you. Secondly, how many of you would say, I just, I just need to be a kingdom person. You know, not just to seek God first, but I, I, I'm not sure I've even had an idea of what it means to, to view it this way. My, my right standing with God. And Lord, I pray for the favor of God that I can be a kingdom person in my work. Lord, I just pray over those that know that's where their heart is. That you can bless them and anoint them. You're not afraid of blessing people, Lord. Give us favor in this community as a church and as individuals to bring the light of God into dark areas. Lord, for anyone who doesn't know you personally today, I just pray this moment they would feel you drawing them to you. You guys, if if you're here today and you don't know Christ, maybe you've never even invited him into your life, you could start today. And we invite you to say this prayer. You can just say it with me. Lord, I come to you now. I feel you tugging on my heart. I know I'm separated from you by my own doing, my own sin. But you love me. You called me. You created me. And I ask for forgiveness from that sin. And I accept forgiveness by faith that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Walk with me now and help me to walk with you. To help bring the kingdom of God to this earth. 
Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Wow. Thank you for being in our prayer teams in both auditoriums. Would you come up here and be available? If you want to pray with someone, and I want to ask one other thing. As you go out today, out in our mall area, all these agencies, community people are out there. Just walk around. Don't be in a big hurry. Walk around. Take some brochures. They're not out there to trap you into anything. Feel free to sign up if you just want information on stuff. But, but this is a great opportunity to meet some people who do a great job in our city. And for others of you, I hope to see you at Summit tonight. Bonnie and I look forward to it if you're new to Timberline 5 o'clock. God bless you. The service begins now. Go get them. God bless.